Welcome to Dream Business Radio, the place to create your dream business now. Get ready for some inspiration, some encouragement, some proven business building strategies, and a couple of new ideas that you haven't even thought of. It's time to leave slow and steady as she goes to the other entrepreneurs, because this program is all about speed and fast results. And now, broadcasting from his floating home somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean, the dream business coach himself, Jim Palmer. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. This is Captain Jim Palmer, the dream business coach, with another fantastic interview. Today, we're going to be talking about money, numbers, and taxes. Ooh, what a fun topic. It really is. It's the heartbeat of the business, and you need to know it. Uh, My guest today is Tatiana Sawyer, and she is a numbers expert with over 15 years of experience helping entrepreneurs and business owners become the boss of their bottom line. You know, so many people dream about being their own boss and, and but hold themselves back because they're terrified of dealing with money, numbers, and taxes. And Tatiana helps those dreamers get to know their numbers, get their taxes under control. See, I imagine one of her mantras is, is pay the least amount of taxes that you legally have to, I would think. That's what yep. she helps with. And she is um, committed to sharing her expertise with a, with a big audience, which is why she's doing some interviews. She's got a, a book coming out in um, March 2021. It's called Dream Bold and Start Smart. And she also has a membership program. So I'm excited to uh, welcome her to the program. How are you doing, Tatiana? Doing great, Jim. How are you? Doing wonderful. Thanks for coming on. And, um, you know, Money, Numbers, and Taxes. That's, first of all, that would be a great book title, <laughs> but for entrepreneurs. And something else I was reading in your bio struck me. Boy, that's, that's a good, that's a good um, topic also. But so did you always want to be a CPA or like what led you into that field? Actually, um, I didn't want to be a CPA at first. <laughs> so I came to the United States um, at a, a at the age of 20. And I always wanted to be an attorney. I completed two years of law school um, outside of the US. And this was my dream. But when I came to the US, I had to, you know, I came alone. So I had to support myself financially. And as I was choosing my, my major in college, I thought, you know, like what major would allow me to support myself through college and then through law school and accounting happened to be of interest um, because I was working as a bookkeeper at a time at the time. So I chose accounting and I, you know, while I was taking all the advanced courses in accounting, I was kind of brainwashed by the professors, um, thank God, (laughs) um, to pass the CPA exam. They said, well, you might as well. So I did. And then I kind of over the years discovered that I actually love accounting much more than I love law. And, and I think there's enough lawyers. So I think, um, oh, by the way, it just occurred to me what in your intro it says, become the boss of their bottom line. That's, a, that's probably your third book, I would guess, because that's a, that's a very cool title. So, um, so when you, so you, a couple of years of law school, then you switched over to um, become, was that hard becoming a CPA? Is that like first you become an accountant and then you become certified or like, what's that process like? Oh, well, uh, you have to complete the educational requirements first. So you have to have a degree and mo- many states now require um, 150 credits. So an equivalent of a master's. Okay. And then you have to, then you have to pass four exams, which are, you know, <clears throat> rigorous exams in four different topics. Um, and then you have to also work for a licensed CPA for a year. Okay. Um, and then you get the license. 
Is that hard to do? I would imagine CPA firms are not looking to bring people on for just a year, unless they can get you, you know, inexpensively and you help through tax season. But it seems if they're going to hire you, they want you to stay. Or is that like a catch-22 or... Well, typically, um, I mean, of course, uh, all firms, including CPA firms, hire for people to stay. Um, but I knew even before I got like my first um, CPA firm job, I've been managing small business clients for four years at the time. Um, and I knew that I was just going there for a couple of years to get some experience and to get my license. And I mean, of course, I didn't say that at the interview. but. Yep. <laughs> But yet that's basically, you know, what it is. I mean, typically bigger firms build up kind of um, this brand. Um, so they want accountants, accountants who are graduating with a degree to want to work for them because they get young folks who can work 80 hours a week. And um, but there it's, it's all about prestige. For me, it was about the experience and skills and getting my license and moving on to my own business. So is that, is that's interesting. So, I mean, you obviously had the entrepreneurial gene, so to speak. (laughs) Was that, are you a, are you a first generation entrepreneur or did parents or grandparents show you that? Well, actually it's a, you'll find this funny, but up until 2018, I actually did not consider myself an entrepreneur, um, did not consider myself a business owner. Um, to be honest with you, I actually just did accounting. Um, I'm really passionate about it. I'm obsessed with taxes and accounting. And I just thought, you know what, I have this great passion and I'm getting paid for it. (laughs) I see. So you don't think of yourself as an entrepreneur. This just happens to be what you do for a living and you have your own business. Well, I now think that I'm an entrepreneur and I'm, you know, getting into different things. Like I wrote a book and I'm launching um, programs and, and things and educational um, courses and so on. So I, I am finding myself being a serial entrepreneur, to be honest, it's just, it, it's, it's shocking to some of my clients that I haven't considered myself a business owner up until two years ago. Oh, that's funny. What do you think is the biggest problem that um, entrepreneurs have, you know, with money numbers and taxes? Because a lot of the people that I know are so driven by gross revenue and sales, closing business, but, you know, obviously there's so much that goes into a healthy bottom line, right? So, Where's that disconnect? I think it's, for some reason, um, I've noticed people equate money and numbers to math. Um, And I've heard, especially from my creative clients, you know, creatives who have businesses, fashion designers, um, bloggers, photographers, they're usually they use the phrase, I'm not good at math. Um, So typically they don't have a systematic approach to money. They don't have a system where they know exactly how much they can afford. They don't look at their bank account. They don't look at their numbers. So when it comes to business, it seems that every business is driven by passion. Typically that's what I've found, but then that passion is rarely supported by numbers. So people start businesses because they like doing something or they enjoy, um, this specific process, but then they end up doing everything else and dealing with money kind of falls on the back burner and takes a back seat, if you, if you will. And interestingly, they just kind of put it in the, I'll do it someday. And then that someday never arrives. So they're surprised by their tax bill typically. 
Um, they don't know, they focus on their top line, which um, I think is a big no-no. Um, and they grow their business at all costs, which is again, a big no-no for me. Right. That's what I mean. So many focus on the top line, just revenue, 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 and, and, and not controlling expenses and things like that. Do you, so I'm interested, what, who are most of your clients? Are they small business owners, like, you know, under a million dollars or are you serve all over the map? Um, I'm all over the map, but I'm very kind of selective in terms of typically bigger companies, you know, 15 million, 20 million and up, they would need an in-house team to, to, help, to help them manage the accounting process and the tax process. So typically my clients right now are range from anywhere from um, 200,000 net to um, 10 million gross. Mm-hmm. So they're still considered small businesses in the eyes of the IRS, but um, they're all over the place. And most of them are creative folks, mom businesses, mompreneurs, and just people who are, who are brick and mortar stores as well. Yeah. Tell me about the book you're writing, Dream Bold and Start Smart. What's, what's the reason for the book? Um, the reason I decided to write this book is because my practice has gotten to a point where I now am not able to work with clients who are just starting out. Mm-hmm. who are just starting in the business, who are setting things up, bookkeeping, accounting, taxes. And that's the critical point of every business because that's the point where they have to make critical decisions to be able to save money. And typically people start businesses with limited budgets and they don't want to lose that money. So the book is for someone who is like that, who wants to start a business, who wants to follow their passion or be flexible and do what they love or whatever the reason is, but they can't afford to lose money. So my book is, is, is basically my, me sharing my expertise with the people who need it most, with whom I cannot work at this time. So it's interesting, you know, fear of losing money. I mean, that is one of the big I think it's a mindset trap because who can start and grow a successful business without risking? You, you have to be able to risk, right? Yeah. Um, so do you help people with that or do you just show them how to risk smartly? Um, so I want, I want them to start first by analyzing and making sure that they understand how their business will work. I'll give you an example. I had a client who came over, and they were really excited. They said, we want to start the platform, an online platform to connect um, liquor distributors to um, liquor stores or whatever, liquor importers to liquor stores to kind of skip the distributor step. Um, so I asked them one question. I said, well, who are you going to charge? Like, who's going to be paying? Like, it sounds great, but like, who's going to be paying your fees? Yeah. And they like, they were stuck. They, they didn't know. So right off the bat, it's a bad idea because, or it's an idea that needs further development. Right. You need to really spend time thinking about it. So how do you help people, you know, your customers, small business owners find security, like in the bottom line, again, when I think they're so top line driven. Um, I, I actually have a, a case study, um, a client of mine, actually a former client, they had a product business and for some reason, the owner was always focused on the top line and, and, you know, she was always like very proud of the top line. And I said, well, but who cares about top line if you're losing a hundred thousand dollars every year? Um, so like I had to actually walk away from the client because 
um, there was no way to change the mindset. And I think it's a lot of times about the mindset, but there's so many things that could be done to affect your bottom line. And the bottom line should be your focus because um, would you rather be making gross 5 million and keep 200,000 or would you rather be making 500,000 and keep 200,000? I'd rather make 500,000 and keep 300,000, you know? (laughs) Exactly. So top line only matters for, I guess, prestige purposes, or maybe if you want to sell your business at some point, even though if you want to sell your business, the investors will look at the bottom line as well. So if you can't create a business that's profitable, nobody will care how much you sell a year. What are some of the cash flow mistakes you see your well, maybe not your clients, but what are some of the cash flow mistakes you see small business owners making? Um, lack of planning, lack of attention to cash flow. Um, it's interesting that I used to have clients who would be surprised at the end of the year I, by their tax bill. Oh, I never made that money. The fact of the matter is they usually would just spend it all and um, look at their bank account and say, well, I have 50000 now. Let me... I can afford this new truck or I can afford this whatever equipment. But then the truth of the matter is that they had checks outstanding for rent, for, I don't know, vendors or whatever. And all of a sudden, next day, they have $20,000 and now they can't afford that truck. So lack of planning, um, I call it the 90-day kind of cash flow plan. That's kind of the minimum that every business owner should have. Um, And with my clients, I typically create actually a 12-month rolling cash flow forecast so that a business owner, I have a couple who use this service and what they have is like today, July 16th or whatever, July 31st, I know that in December, it looks like I can run out of cash. What can I do today to prevent that from happening? That seems to be a lot of planning. (laughs) I know, you know, entrepreneurs get up every day and see what fires have to be put out and, um, you're asking them to look six months in the future and I'm only poking fun because I know it's so true. <laughs> you know, I think so many people are just kind of fly by the seat of their pants, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it happens to most, well, many business owners. And it's unfortunate because I have um, visionaries who have taught themselves to be comfortable with numbers, not be anxious about them. And I have a cl- one client that's one of my favorites, um, who, when I asked him, how would you describe how you feel about accounting and numbers and taxes right now? He said, well, I know exactly what my company is doing. I know if my sales goal is lower than I predicted, my sales are lower than my goal. It's not, I'm not getting upset. I'm looking for first the reason why it happened and how do I prevent it from happening again? And it's a 100% visionary. So it's someone who was never comfortable with numbers until he started facing them early. Um, And now there's no anxiety around it. There's always, okay, what can I do to change the situation approach? Right. Yeah. What, so do you work, I mean, it sounds like you're kind of moving past this, but in your in, in initial days um, <clears throat> of your firm, you work with some startups. What, what have you learned about people with uh, startups, business ideas and things like that? H- how do you help at least m- mitigate the risk that, that's inherent in starting a business? Typically, I encourage them to think about to outline their risk. I don't know if you're familiar with the SWOT analysis, but 
that's one of the starting points for me, um, for, for a client, for a startup to understand what their internal strengths and weakness, weaknesses are, and also what their opportunities in the market and what are the threats that they cannot control. Okay. So, so like that, once you understand what your risks are, um, you won't be in a situation where you're in shock if something happens. You will know, okay, this happened. I've been thinking, thinking about this for a couple of months or for, for a couple of years. I knew that this could happen. I'm ready to take deliberate action as opposed to be in shock and take kind of random chaotic um, actions to put out fires. Did you, Tatiana, did you say it was SWAT? S-W-A-T? S-W-O-T. So um, it's, some, oh, okay. it's a concept normally taught in the MBA programs. So it's strengths and weaknesses. That's an internal characteristic. And then opportunities and threats are external factors. Got it. I'm just curious not to go deep into this because being mindful of the clock, but are, th are those four equal quadrants, so to speak? Or yeah. is, is, okay, so each, each one can really wreak havoc on a business. Right. In a good and, way or a bad way. Right. And um, those things change. So you do your SWOT analysis today, maybe in a year from now, a year from now, technology changes or the world changes. I mean, the world we're living in right now is interesting. So it, it's complete 180 for many businesses. And if you know kind of your strengths, like maybe it's time to leverage them or maybe there's an, a new opportunity that came up, but you should always be aware of your threats and your weaknesses so that you can actually prepare um, in advance to take, you know, to take them on and to take deliberate action once something happens. So I know you said you work with a lot of female entrepreneurs. Um, is there, a, is there a reason for that? I mean, is that what like you prefer? That's where you see a, a big opportunity for your business or, I mean, do you just enjoy that or? Actually, I work with both sides kind of um, mm -hmm. equally, I would say, um, but I do work with female entrepreneurs and I feel like female entrepreneurs, what I've noticed is that they usually have more anxiety and fear around numbers and taxes uh, for whatever reason. Get wonder why that is. Wonder why that is. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't, I mean, I can only speculate. Um, yep. I feel like for moms, for example, um, I'm a mom, so I can relate, um, not having kind of a safety net or not having, um, risking your, your own money when you have kids is, it feels different because you're always thinking about, oh, I cannot fail. I cannot afford to fail because mm. if I fail, my kids will end up, I don't know, on the street or without food or whatever it is. So we have a different set of fears. <laughs> um, I feel like, and just, women in general, we try to, for whatever reason, we have more fears than men. This is what I've noticed. And we bring in our personal lives into the business sometimes. And that I kind of work with, with uh, women to help work around it and, and find a way to make the business work without bringing the emotion into it. It's really, I mean, that's totally understandable. I mean, becoming a parent for, you know, moms and dads, but probably especially moms, becoming a parent changes every, every part of your, the view, how you look at life and things like that. And I wrote a book called Decide. It was kind of an, a mindset book. And in there, I had a chapter 
talking about being childlike. And I, I liken it as in the entrepreneur world to where, you know, a child will climb up on the garage roof, jump off with a sheet thinking he's going to fly. <laughs> you know, he's fearless, right? And then the older we get, the less, the less, um, the more, I should say, the more risk averse we become because we have much more to lose, you know, family, home, you know, business, maybe by the time you've grown, you have employees. So it seems like we make um, safer bets. Do you yeah. agree with that? Yeah, I agree with that. Absolutely. I noticed that my clients who don't have children or don't have properties, they're more risk. Um, they're more, take more risky approaches. They're very afterwards. tolerant of risk. Yeah. 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 They're risk tolerant. Yeah. <laughs> whatever that word should be. Yeah. I know, I know where you're going. Um, I know you also had a, um, you have, and I think you said you're growing uh, and starting some additional membership programs. Can you tell us a little bit about those? Yeah. So the book will provide the book that I, I wrote that's coming out um, next year. It's, it's basically a step-by-step setup for risks, numbers, partners, investors, taxes. Um, and in you know, in the book, I go in deep, but um, the program, the membership program that I started, it's called Something That's Yours. Um, it's where I go even deeper with with members. So the membership program is meant for those who read the book um, or actually, well, when the book comes out yep. um, and want to take it to the next level. I mean, there will be people who will do really well with the book alone, but there will be those who will want some extra support. And that's what the membership program's for. And I think- um, if you don't mind, I want to mention one of the critical decisions, sure. one, one critical decision that every business owner kind of either skips or doesn't put a lot of weight on is the entity selection. Um, we kind of get this information online that the LLCs are the best entities or whatever. And many people file those LLCs without, you know, further thought kind of. It seems um, so like we, it's the, it's, I don't know, in vogue, or it seems like the thing, oh, I'm an LLC, yeah. <laughs> right? Because you get some protections, but you know, I'm, I'm sure, well, I don't want to predict what you're going to say, but I'm thinking you're going to go in the area of tax advantages for S Corp, right? <laughs> well, not just S Corp. I'm actually, um, there are different advantages and sometimes LLCs are appropriate, but it seems like right now there's, there are more LLCs than anything else. And Nobody puts a you know, second thought into entity selection, which is the most critical part when you're starting out. Um, and in my book, one of the chapters is actually going deep on that. And I developed my own entity selection matrix, depending on whether or not you're getting investors, partners, uh, what your long-term plans are, and so on and so forth. So um, typically, there's no one right answer for everyone, which is why this kind of selection should be taken seriously in the beginning and it's worth investing in um, an advisor who can who can kind of talk about the tax implications but I often have multi-entity structures for people um, and where LLC may be a part of it maybe not sometimes it's an SC combination sometimes it's a C corp LLC combination so depending on what that person's personal goals and business goals are that's what kind of makes makes it um the right choice for them. I agree with that. You know, some, most people I think start just being a um, sole proprietor because, well, let me sell something for a dollar or, you know, let me make yeah. my first sale before I become a corporation. 
Um, yeah. And I think it's right. And there's not just one like, okay, now I'm an LLC or now I'm an S Corp. Interestingly enough, one of my, one of my longtime coaching clients is, is a CPA who's starting an, a, a coaching business. And so he's eventually wants to retire and sell his CPA practice and just you know, make some revenue into his golden years as a coach. And so he's going to set up a separate LLC while his business is, I believe, an S Corp. So there is no one answer, but for sure, and correct, you correct me if I'm wrong, but for sure you need to, you know, be, have some sort of corporate, you know, um, entity. Um, I don't know the word standing, but so you protect your, your personal assets. Is that correct? Yeah, you should have an entity, but, um, if you're just starting out, if you want to try something, sell something for a dollar, that's fine. Just try it out. But I would say that within that calendar year, you should make a decision on what, the, what entity you should be. Right. Um, it's almost like we, when you make yeah. your first sale, you've proved the concept pretty much, yeah, right? Pretty much. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And if it's for a dollar, hope your cost of goods are no more than 50 cents. So at least your net profit is 50 cents. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> wow. Exactly. I've really enjoyed our conversation. I'm sure people want to connect with you. And um, when, the, when the book comes out, I'm sure it'll be on Amazon. And, and what, what other contact information do you want to share? Um, if you want to follow or get free resources, because I typically share a lot of um, good information, good articles, and it's very usually um, short um, because I believe in short writing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so, you, so folks can go to talktotatiana.com and um, sign up for, for the mailing for the newsletter and just follow me there. And Tatiana is T-A-T-I-A-N-A, talktotatiana.com. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for the interview. I really uh, enjoyed um, hearing about your expertise. Jim, thanks so much for having me. My pleasure. Hey, folks, that wraps up this very special interview with Tatiana Sawyer. And um, remember, you want to become the boss of your bottom line <laughs> and watch for her book, Dream Bold and Start Smart. That's coming out March of 2012. Connect with me at getjimpalmer.com or dreambizcoaching, dreambizcoaching.com. But that's it for now. Until next week, another fantastic interview. You take good care. Now it's time to go implement what you've learned. Great ideas are nice, but results only happen through action and implementation. So stay focused. Kick all distractions to the curb. Sleep a little less if you have to. And create your dream business now so you too can live your dream lifestyle. To learn about building your dream business, join Jim's free dream business Facebook community at dreambizgroup.com. That's dreambizgroup.com. <laughs> See you next week for more Dream Business Radio.